This episode is brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. Be honest, are you procrastinating by listening to this podcast? It's okay. You just need Rockstar Focus. Choose from three delicious flavors, each crafted with ingredients for an ideal energy and mental boost, like lion's mane, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and zero sugar. Visit rockstarenergy.com to learn more. At least 75 milligrams of caffeine has been shown to help improve attention. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency designed Future Formula, a personalized anti-aging formula prescribed by a dermatology provider to treat fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and more. Agency has clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than over-the-counter retinol. Future Formula by Agency. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and TV critic Rihanna Dillon. Now, this is the place where we spend loads of time hunting for all the best shows so you don't have to waste any valuable telly-watching time. Uh, Rihanna, we'll get on to the shows we're talking about in just a moment or two, but you've had a big week. Tell us about it. I have. It's the London Film Festival. Loads of stars are in town, especially for The Harder They Fall, which premiered at the London Film Festival. And what is that? Uh, It is a new Netflix film, which will be on uh, Netflix next month. So maybe I'll do a little spiel about it next, you know, and do a proper review of it. But it meant that I got to interview Idris Elba and none other than Jay-Z this week. Really? Well, I can beat that because I was... Yeah, I really was. I was on Steph's Pack Lunch on Channel 4 with Fee Glover last Monday. So We are not worthy. It's one all, very definitely. So the shows in this week's podcast are... They are one of my favourite shows of all time, Succession, uh, which I really can't wait to delve into. Handmade, Britain's best woodworker. Squid Game as well, which has just taken the whole world by storm. I like the way you move. We're going to hear a little bit from Jamie Lang. And also Impeachment an American crime story. Variety, very much the spice of life in this week's Radio Times podcast. And we have uh, a good guest this week. It's uh, She's always good value. It's Mel Gedroich. Uh, She hosts Handmade, Britain's Best Woodworker. It's a sort of bake-off with wood. And in this clip, I asked Mel about euphemisms, yes, and whether she used them in every single episode. I got in as many wood references in each recording as I possibly could. Yeah. Mel Gedroich, um, she is good fun. And the show is, uh, well, it's interesting if you like people who can do wonderful things 
with wood. You see, now it's actually quite hard to resist the temptation to try and be faintly amusing around all this. <laughs> Let's just stop. Succession is back. This is season three. It is on Sky Atlantic and it begins Monday, the 18th of October at nine o'clock. This is a massive show for a certain, I'm going to say, well, it's the chattering classes, big, big show, I think, Succession. I know people who can talk of nothing else. Um, but you apparently are a member of the chattering classes because you love Succession. I really, really do. It's basically an, a tremendous show about a backstabby media empire. And this series, they're kind of facing the fallout from the accusations of sexual abuse, harassment and cover-up. And it all it sort of focuses on who is going to succeed Logan Roy, who is played by Brian Cox fantastically well he is so evil and I think a lot of people have an issue with a show where there is no one to root for that exactly is that's my issue yes so I've watched the first episode of season three I've got the gist mm-hmm. which is that you've got lots of temperamental fiery folk mm-hmm. none of whom I liked all fighting for control of this media empire yes and I'm afraid I am wrestling with the fact that I can't pin my hopes on a single character. But that's kind of the point. Why would you want any of them to win? You don't. You want to just see them implode like a star. That's literally the whole point, I think, is you go on this journey the whole way through. They've done some truly despicable things in series one and two. And it's not just about financial problems and it's not, you know, it's not all about money. It's just like they're the way that they can get those highs in life just get sort of more and more extreme, which actually makes for really quite a really entertaining watch. I think if this had been done in a style over substance kind of way, it would have been dreadful. But because it's created by Jesse Armstrong, who works a lot with who worked a lot with Armando Iannucci on things like the thick of it, and it's that it's that almost almost fly on the wall mockumentary style not quite as much as in the thick of it but I think that's why this works so well because it's not trying to present any of these people as wonderful you're still going on a journey you're still going you know you still are interested in their arc but ultimately the whole point of it is to just is just is to just bask in their grotesqueness I think Maybe I just need to get into the habit. Okay, here's a quick clip. My family have disappeared. I need to know where everyone is and what everyone's thinking. There he is, the little man who started this big war. Right now, I'm the real you. Sure, and I'm the real you. You sound deranged. As I understand it, you want to take down your dad without implicating yourself. Correct. And without damaging the company to the extent that you lose control at your shareholder meeting. Do you have an actual case, Ken? Yes, I can kill him. Is he going to watch? That just gives you a taste of the lovely, lovely lineup of folk <laughs> in succession. Some great acting, that much I can admire. Brian Cox is amazing. Um, who is the British actor who plays the husband of Shiv? Matthew McFadden. Yes, of who, course. Yeah. You, you know, he's probably most well known for being in things like Spooks and also Mr. Darcy. Yes, yeah. In Pride and Predge. And he, I mean, based on that one episode I, I watched, mm-hmm. um, he's just incredibly wet and just yes. goes in any direction he thinks might <laughs> help him. Yes. They're all out for themselves, which is great. And there's also, if you're a fan of Succession, you'll 
you'll know and love, Cousin Greg, who I think is the character that could the most easily cross over into the thick of it because he is just so hapless and pathetic and stupid and does not have the brains in the same way that someone like Shiv does. Um, and it, I think what's quite interesting is just to see what drives them all equally. Um, it is money, it is power, it is sex. And then there is also a whole load of daddy issues as well. Uh, There really are. Uh, (laughs) Freud would have a field day with the folk of succession. So series three starts Sky Atlantic, Monday the 18th of October, nine o'clock. I guess for the benefit of people like me who have heard a lot about it, haven't watched it, can you watch it from a standing start? I mean, I quite enjoyed the first episode. I would really recommend going back to series one. I think you miss out on so much of the subtleties of the character if you don't. Okay, it sounds like quite a task you've set me there. I'm not sure I'll fulfil it. It's a fun task. It's a fun task. Great, it's not a chore. It shouldn't be. It's just pure, brilliant writing and performing. Why wouldn't you want to watch that? Because, you know, someone's got to unload the dishwasher and (laughs) stick another load of washing on. I mean, it doesn't get done on its own, you know. Uh, Succession Series 3, Rihanna, thank you. Um, You mentioned greed. That brings us neatly to Squid Game, which has been, well, it's been the subject of, of newspaper mainstream articles this week. And that's when you know when a Netflix show has crossed over and when parents have started to worry a little bit about something they think might be influencing their kids. So it's on Netflix. There are nine episodes. It's the first season. What is Squid Game? So it's about a guy called Sungi Hun who is a kind of down on his luck dad. He doesn't see his daughter very often. He still lives with his mother. He has a gambling addiction. And then one day he gets offered the chance to take part in a game which could change his fortune, basically. But there is a big twist to this game in which he and 400 others partake. 455 others. Wow, that was very specific. Well remembered. I, well, in the interest of this podcast, I have watched, I think I've watched more of Squid Game than you have. You have. I'm on to episode four. Whether or not I'll carry on, I cannot really be certain that I will because this has genuinely slightly messed with my mind. <laughs> and the reason I'm sort of shifting into serious mode here is Mm -hmm. that if it's messing with my mind I don't know what it's doing to 14 year old brains who might have been gobbling up Squid Game over the last couple of weeks right and I guess I am a bit it's it's incredibly violent Mm -hmm. there is a violent scene in the first episode which I wasn't prepared for maybe I should have been prepared for it and I just feel very ill at ease in all honesty recommending it whilst at the same time admiring so much about it uh, the the artistry i think it's beautifully put together i think it's incredibly clever i think it probably has some very important things to say about the class divide about the unfairness of life about how money motivates so many mm-hmm. of us but honestly rihanna I've I've had dreams about this. Have you? I have. I suppose if you're not used to that sort of level of, you're right. It does descend into violence very in very extreme ways, especially by the end of episode one. I think it's the concept that we ought to explain that effectively our our central hero, the deadbeat dad, who is a hopeless character, but yeah. you do get to have a certain amount of sympathy for him. Oh yeah, very good acting, I should say, very good acting. He is. He wakes up after falling into this game. He wakes up in this huge dormitory mm-hmm. wearing a tracksuit like 455 other people. Mm-hmm. He's number 456. There's 
classical music playing somewhere in the distance. And there's just something very chilling about the whole concept. And then he's plunged into the first game, which is actually a version of what I think we in Britain call grandmother's footsteps. Yes, and they call it green light, red light. Yeah. Um, and also I think what's, what is so beautiful about the series is like the, the colour scheme, the palette is I, amazing. I absolutely agree, yeah. It's like these, this kind of turquoisey green and then the the sort of guards who are handling the games are in this bright pink suits with a kind of black hockey mask over their faces. Yeah, so you can't see them and they don't speak. No, and then there's this... You might have seen memes about it on Twitter. So I was very kind of conscious of the look of this before I started watching it because it just absolutely flooded Twitter and Instagram with this doll who is also like a motion sensor um, who detects anyone who breaks the rules and they get eliminated essentially and they really do get eliminated and i think a lot of people are saying it's very hunger games it's very battle royale actually what i loved about episode 1 was that although so much is it's about being steeped in greed and desperation they are also trying to help each other and this kind of little yeah some bonds bond are formed forms. Yeah. yeah and i think that makes a world of difference and it does give the program perhaps a bit more heart it's a generational thing, I guess. This is television. This is dystopian television for the video mm-hmm. game generation, and it, that is probably exactly why I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> whilst a hundred percent appreciating the the genius, because I think the guy who, who came up with it had tried for years mm-hmm. to get it made, he yeah. got nowhere, and he he must be laughing now because this what is, is the biggest show in the world. Yeah, number one in pretty much every country, I think. If you want to give it a look, it's Squid Game, season one, available on Netflix. Um, This is a violent show. Netflix rates it 15, but uh, as I think we've probably previously mentioned, uh, how it's rated on Netflix is is sort of an irrelevance. I'm really looking forward to getting more into this, I've got to be honest. It's definitely piqued my interest. Okay, this is more me. Handmade, Britain's best woodworker. Um, Now, I've been talking to Mel Gedroich, who is the host of this Channel 4 show, and you'll hear that interview after this clip. Morning wood, workers. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to your workshop of wonders. Alex, please tell the gang what they're going to be building for their first big build challenge. Arguably the most important item for furniture in the house... It's a bed, but not just any bed. We want the bed of your dreams. Ooh, wow. I think my bed of dreams would have at least two members of Take That. <laughs> <laughs> that was a clip from Handmade, Britain's Best Woodworker, and Mel Gedroich is here. Hi, Mel, how are you? Hey, Jane, really well. Thanks very much for having me on. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Do you know what was refreshing about this programme? Um, in the last 18 months, some of us who perhaps haven't wanted to have had to learn a whole range of new skills, techie yeah. type stuff. Oh, but I don't. It, I know. It's, it's been, <laughs> oh, for me, oh. certainly a trial. Um, and for the people who've had to explain it to me, it's been uh, even more of a trial. <laughs> but this, this is a lovely world of old-fashioned, proper skills, isn't it? And that's why yeah. it's so brilliant. Yeah. I have to say, they were all absolutely delightful, the woodworkers, there's something very, very special about them. And I think you've nailed it. Excuse the pun. Um, I, I think it's something to do with the fact that they're working with a very natural medium of wood. Uh, they're often doing it on their own. 
in a garden shed or um, up in a loft somewhere or, or outdoors. They're very outdoorsy people. And they came together in this community. I mean, we filmed it actually about a year ago in Wales, so September 2020. And, oh, my Lord, we had such a good time. It was like a breath of fresh air amidst the madness that was kind of happening around us. We were all quarantined together, 65 of us, in this crazy bubble um, in Wales. And the contestants are um, a very varied bunch. And I've got to say, when I think woodwork and and carpentry and joinery, I do, and I can't help myself, I think middle-aged white bloke. And rightly, this programme has sought out people who do not fit into that category. I cannot wait for people to meet them, actually. We've got an extraordinary bunch. Um, Rada, who's in his 20s, just the coolest, coolest guy you'll ever meet. Just happens to be brilliant at, at doing, you know, mortise joints. It's proper, <sighs> yeah. proper stuff, this. I'm hugely impressed yeah. by the, the skill set of the people involved. Did you, um, or do you think the programme makers deliberately set out to make everybody aware that this was not a skill set that was rooted in exactly that cliche I came up with at the start, the white bloke? Yeah, I think so. And as you say, they they should, actually. It's a Channel 4 programme. And I seem to remember back in the day, the remit of Channel 4... Uh, was to was to do was to do just that, and I think they've achieved it. Actually, there's a really good range of of gender and heritage and age, and it's exactly in this day and age exactly what we should all be striving for. In the first edition, uh, they have to make a bed. Yeah, now, I would have thought that was that was a pretty tall order, and the time restriction terrible. Well, how long did they get? So for each of their kind of mega challenges, they have two working days, um, which is nothing. And they are working with really, really heavy duty machinery as well. This is something that I didn't quite realise. I thought it was going to be very silent with just the sort of occasional sound of a whittling knife scraping against something. Of course... No, that's ridiculous. There's a huge workshop with massive industrial machinery going on all the time. And I remember um, when we were doing Bake Off, you know, in the quiet of the tent, yeah, you've got the mixers going, but you can stroll round, you can sort of chill with people for hours and hours gently chatting. Whereas with this, it was kind of, you know, Michelle, how's it going? How are you feeling? You know, it was kind of, we all had to really get used to the noise. It was phenomenal. I mean, they were all luckily, you know, ear plugged up to the max. Health and um, safety. Health and safety at all times, yeah. There's a great guy um, in the show called Tim, who I feel a bit sorry for. In the, in the first episode, I, he reminded me a bit of myself in the unlikely event of me being tasked with making a bed. I am going to say this. It was a little bit amateur, his his attempt at making a bed. And the judges, well, who are the judges, first of all? There's Helen Welsh, who's a wonderful woman, the founder of the London School of Furniture Making. Yeah, she is absolutely brilliant. I think a, a superstar in the making. She's a natural she runs this incredible school, has done for years. She's immensely knowledgeable and practical about... I mean, joinery is her thing. She has got the eagle eye on the joinery. And then we have Alex DeRaker, who's her partner in crime on the judging department, uh, who's wonderful. And he comes from a design background, so he runs a big architecture firm in London. 
Uh, and they're a good combo, actually. She's the kind of nuts and he's the bolts. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Euphemisms. Um, there's a lot you can do with the word wood, uh, it, it turns out. Does that... Do you do that every single episode, Mel? I got in as many wood references in each recording as I possibly could because I felt, listen... I would be letting myself down if I didn't. I imagine possibly one per show will get through. Maybe one per series. I, do, I, I really don't know. Let's see how many slip through the net. Probably not that many. No, um, let's hope not, because Britain needs to grow up, doesn't it, really? <laughs> do you think... I know, Jane, I know. Is there anything um, that you'd say that bakers and woodworkers have in common, or are they um, very different people? That's interesting. The passion, obviously is there, you can see it in people's eyes. The bakers, similarly, when they were talking about creation that they were sort of working on or that they'd already made, their eyes just kind of light up. And and it's the same, the same with the woodworkers. I mean, you would find the woodworkers outside, invariably, round a fire, not, not really chatting about anything else but the craft of wood. So I think they have that in common. Um, I would say the woodworkers are, they're letting it all out. They really don't care what people think about them, I would say. They're a bit more hippie, I suppose. Yeah, I, I got that feel. I mean, these are people who have a, a, a skill that they can practice largely on their own, I, I yeah. guess. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. No, they are. And, and they all said, actually, what a joy it was to do a show where they finally get to meet other woodworkers. I felt like we were a sort of, not a dating agency exactly, but a sort of you know, a sort of drop-in centre uh, because people actually, they, they got to sort of get things off their chest and speak to each other and contacts were made. They're all on the big WhatsApp group, you know. It's it's a lovely show to watch and I think people will enjoy it for the countryside vibe and oh. for the good feeling amongst the contestants as much as, as, much as anything else. But can I, good. I mean, do you, think, you. do you think there's any end to this stream of shows, Britain's best something? Um, no. I don't actually. Well, okay. Well, I don't, what, I don't. what's the show you would like to see? I wouldn't mind seeing Metal Worker, Taxidermist. Um, oh, that would be brilliant, Jane. A sort of late night, slightly gothic. Um, yes, and think of the euphemisms there. I mean, you could get stuffing into every single, every single damn episode. Well, we've uh, we've come up with the idea. Come on, TV. Let's pitch it. Yeah. Let's pitch it. Um, I'm happy to get uh, a co-production credit and good. all the glory, if possible. Um, good, Jane. Mel, lovely to talk to you. Um, oh, so nice. Good luck Thank with this. You. Thank you very much. That's brilliant, Mel. Thanks for your patience. I don't know why I thanked her for her patience. I mean, I'm sure she... <laughs> You never thank me for my patience. Well, because you're not patient. <laughs> um, Mel Gedroich, and that is Handmade, Britain's Best Woodworker. It starts on Thursday, the 21st of October, 8 o'clock, Channel 4, and of course, all four. What did you think of this? <laughs> I am really fond of Mel. It was really lovely she's to a, hear. She's a good woman. She really is. And actually, you know, off the back of what we were talking about last week, it was nice to see a bit more diversity, I think, in this sort of reality show. So we have a black female judge. We have Mel fronting it with her brilliant smile and like a really interesting group of people as well, including a trans woman called Misty. And as you say, it's got a it's got that great british bake-off feel a workshop it's in a lovely setting isn't it it is beautiful i have to say i really love seeing cakes get constructed um because you can see all of the elements and you can put it together in your head when you're watching people put together wood features like a bed for example you're just looking at bits of wood 
until it becomes a bed at the very end. And the fact that you can't really make head or tail of of what it's where it's going what it, it's just another bit of wood oh look there's another bit of wood over there yeah. i just couldn't quite get excited about it in the same way that i i wanted to i thought i was going to come away feeling really i don't know zen having watched this but yeah. i found it a little bit frustrating i guess be honest. It, it may be more of a niche show than anything about baking yes and i i mean, my question to mel was obviously jokey about britain's best taxidermist but but you do wonder when we'll stop i think taxidermy shows would be like more interesting this. well there we are uh, not going out to her local diy shop to buy a chisel anytime soon that was uh <laughs> rihanna dylan uh, it, honestly if you're into this stuff you will enjoy this program and you'll enjoy the skill on on show um that is handmade britain's best woodworker thursday the 21st of october at eight o'clock and you'll find it on channel four and on all four Jamie Lang. Um, just remind everybody who Jamie Lang is, really. <laughs> um, Jamie Lang is from Maiden Chelsea. Uh, I've watched him on my TV for years. He's actually rather... I've seen him in other reality shows and he's, he's good, actually. He's, he's, he's good he's, at talking to people, isn't he's he? He's very chatty. He's yeah. very smiley. And even if you think that the reality show of Maiden Chelsea is quite a despicable show, he'll probably still be charmed unwillingly. Yes. <laughs> very unwillingly <laughs> by Jamie Lang. Well, Jamie features in a new dancing and dating show. It's called I Like The Way You Move and it's on the BBC. The Radio Times talked to him about the show and now here's what he said when asked if he thought this programme is the answer to the Strictly curse where celeb and professional dancers end up coupling up. Well, here's Jamie on that matter. Dating is all about trust and loyalty, right? That's what it is. You know, that's the foundation of any good relationship. And dancing is the same thing. Any good dance would say you have to have trust within your dance partner. And what happens when you dance with someone, you have to immediately get that trust and that respect for one another. And so that kind of fast forward those kind of emotions. Plus you're touching each other all the time and being in positions that you probably wouldn't be unless you're in the bedroom with somebody and or a dance floor. So it kind of fast forward everything. Secondly, or thirdly, being super hot with each other and being that close, of course, things are going to get exciting between one another. And that's what the show does, is that we, it's Strictly's answer to that, all those wonders, oh my God, are they dating dancing? This proves that people do fall in love on and off the dance floor, 100%. We also asked Jamie if maybe most of us are yearning to watch something just a bit more romantic than all those well-toned, bikini-clad love islanders. <laughs> dating shows now, in my opinion, aren't that believable because they're produced the into their life. We're all clued up now with all the things. You know, the audience isn't dumb anymore, so they understand, like, what's going on and what happens. So I think with I Like The Way You Move, you are possibly right. Yeah, it's not probably as dramatic as, like, Love Island because it's not produced to the inch of its life. And it's much more real. It's, it's so authentic. Yes, um, there's a man who's appeared in Made in Chelsea so knows all about Authenticity. authenticity. <laughs> It's just, I mean, my kids love Made in Chelsea. I, I haven't watched it lately, I must admit. This is quite complicated. Uh, Jamie Lang's I Like the Way You Move is on box set, available from Sunday the 17th on BBC Three, iPlayer, and there are weekly episodes on good old BBC One on Tuesdays at 10.35. You can't say you don't have options there. That's Jamie Lang's I Like the Way You Move. And if you want to see the full interview, it's in this week's copy of The Radio Times, which has Succession and a moody Brian Cox oh God. on the cover. I love him so much. How old is Brian Cox? Mm, I would say late 60s, early 70s. OK, right. Um, Why? 
Nothing. Just checking about dating ops. Just checking in. Now, what else is good this week? Well, Impeachment is out, which is the latest series from serial series creator Ryan Murphy as part of his American Crime Story anthology. So if you don't know Ryan Murphy, he kind of got huge through Nip Tuck and Glee. And then he's kind of gone on to be one of the most prolific directors and producers in Hollywood. He also did the not so well received prom recently with with James Gordon. Um, So he tackled The People versus O.J. Simpson, starring John Travolta. And I thought that was one of the best shows I'd seen in a long, long time. Oh, really? I love that. So you're a Ryan Murphy fan? Well, I was a fan of that programme. I think you said you tried it and didn't get into it. Oh, I, the trouble is with Ryan Murphy, I always start his shows and then I never finish them. I just find... I think there are just so many of them. Well, that, yeah, that's probably true. And I must admit, I don't finish everything, but I did finish that one. And I thought John Travolta was incredible in that show. Absolutely amazing. The, that, that's the one with uh, the big eyebrows, right? He's got big eyebrows. He's got big eyebrows. He's got very big eyebrows. It's, it's well I don't know whether you can still see that, but anyway. You can see all of the, his stuff basically on Netflix. Can you? Yeah, because okay. he's done a huge, huge amount of deals with Netflix, so they're all on there. Um, and the second one is about the assassination of Gianni Versace, uh, which I think is less well known. But then this third one is obviously about the Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton sex scandal and the ensuing ripple effect, let's say, that it had on their respective careers and lives. It's on BBC Two, Tuesday the 19th of October at 9.15, and here's a clip. As you no doubt heard, you get to work in the West Wing as of this morning. You're going to be working right beside the people who run the world. Please, be professional. There's a woman I'm very close to. In the midst of an affair with the President of the United States. How do I know it's true? Hello? You will lose her as a friend. I've made my peace with that. Are you sure you have enough evidence? My calls with Monica. Wow. Um, Okay, I hope that's set it up for you. Um, I've watched the first two episodes of this Mm -hmm. and I really am going to finish another one of Ryan Murphy's amazing shows. Who is playing Bill Clinton? This is, unbelievably, Clive Owen, which it took me a minute. He's wearing a lot of prosthetics in this. Go back and have another look because I did not recognise him at all. Really? Not at all. He is, yeah, really quite impressed with that. Beanie Feldstein from Booksmart plays Monica Lewinsky. Uh, Really well, actually, I think she's excellent in this because I think the series gets off to quite a slow start and... You, you're not ever quite sure where in time you are because no. it, it keeps going backwards and forwards. I did struggle with that. And actually, it's worth saying that the Monica Lewinsky character doesn't feature all that much in the first episode. No, it's more Linda Tripp, isn't it? The yeah. woman who exposed the scandal. And Linda Tripp is... Who plays Linda Tripp? Sarah Paulson, who is in every single Ryan Murphy show ever. Well, she's good. She's very good. So that might be why. And we should say Linda Tripp is an older woman. I guess she's probably about my age, so sort of late 50s in, in the show. She's a little bit... She's a relatively lonely, somewhat disillusioned middle-aged woman who's living through what Monica Lewinsky is getting up to with Bill Clinton. But even as I say that, I realise that I'm putting Monica Lewinsky front and centre Mm. and I should be thinking about the behaviour of the man who at the time was the most powerful man in the world. And what this show does is it lays bare that his conduct was terrible. Yep. 
absolutely. Uh, to be honest, when it started, I was thinking, oh God, do I really want to see a thing about a sex scandal? I feel like, you know, is that a bit passe now? We have had so many in real life. It's not escapism for sure. But actually, I do think because they are now looking at it through the lens of post Me Too. Well, totally. I'm, do you know what? Listening to us talking about it now and watching those two episodes, I am going back, because I was on Five Live covering the story mm-hmm. at the time it happened. I wasn't in America, but I was sitting in London doing interviews about it. And we were looking at it in a different way, the wrong way, I would now say, in the light of Me Too. Uh, Monica Lewinsky is the victim here. Yeah, She is being manipulated by this incredibly powerful man who knows exactly what he's doing. And has done it many times before. So many times before. And I think that's also what's really important is that they set up that this is not the first one. We actually hear from the woman who I think kind of got the ball rolling. Paula Jones. Paula Jones. Yeah. Um, Who's just a little woman from Arkansas, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah. this poor woman whose husband wants to be a famous actor and sort of is trying to coerce her into using what happened to her to make his dreams come true. So it's all about how women are manipulated either by men or by other jealous women. Yeah. Um, there's a lot a lot to think about in this. So well done, Ryan, because you've, um, you've reignited a story that probably did go away but shouldn't have done. So it's American Crime Story and I do heartily recommend this. And uh, also, stick with it, by the way, if the first episode is a bit, is a bit slow. Yes, yeah. I'm definitely going to see this out. Also, it's worth saying that Monica Lewinsky has signed on as co-producer, so she is involved in this, and I think that's really important. So we know that this is her story, her voice, when she did not have the same platform that Clinton did. Impeachment and American Crime Story, BBC Two, Tuesday the 19th of October, starts at 9.15. So now it's time for What We Watched, which is my favourite bit of the show that takes us down TV, nostalgia, memory lane. So... Jane, I've got some clips from a couple of iconic TV shows. I'm going to give you three clues on the year that we're looking at. So this should be fairly simple. It's been We've been talking about this quite a long time. Daniel Craig has just starred in his last Bond. And in the year in question, Mr Craig was in fact starring in his second outing as 007, The Quantum of Solace, the film that no one remembers or likes. And it <laughs> featured on the front cover of the Radio Times at the time doesn't help me because like everybody else I don't remember it <laughs> let's have a listen the music I have playing as I come downstairs first thing in the morning. <laughs> Just lets the rest of the household know, like the cat, that I'm coming. I, yeah. think, I think that theme music was the strongest part of that film. That is actually great. It's good. <laughs> the second clue is that in this particular year, during the National Television Awards, David Tennant announced that he was leaving Doctor Who in the following oh. year as we all sobbed into our pillows. <laughs> when Doctor Who returns in it won't be with me. No, don't make me cry. Um, it's the shows will be my last playing the doctor. I love this part and I love this show so much. And um, if I don't take a deep breath and move on, no, I never will. And you'll be wheeling me out of the TARDIS in my bath chair. Um, I think it's better I don't overstay my welcome. So it's been the most brilliant, mad, life-changing time over the last three and a half years. 
Oh, that's actually strangely moving. I know. And also, I was so upset when David Tennant left Doctor Who. But Matt Smith was so excellent. I think oh, was he was... his replacement? I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have gone for him. Right. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking, but I'm nowhere near an answer. Okay. So, <laughs> last... This is my thinking face. <laughs> it's awfully a lot like your cross face, I've got to be honest. Oh, I don't have a cross face. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, the third clip. Blue Peter celebrated its 50th birthday. So Zoe Salmon and Gethin Jones stopped presenting the show and Helen Skelton and Joel DeFries took up the Blue Peter baton. Right, continuing the uh, film star theme of today, we're joined by Emma Watson. Yes! (laughs) Come on down, come on down. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now you're here because you've got a brand new film out. What's it called? It's called The Tale of Despero. And what's it about? It's about a very brave mouse. Very brave mouse. And and what's he do? Well, he saves the princess who gets kidnapped, which is my part. Gosh, I think I missed that one. But that does sound... (laughs) Sounds a good film, Emma. I honestly thought she was going to talk about a Harry Potter film and she didn't. That was weird. I I don't want to boast, but I do have a Blue Peter badge. Oh, of course you do. That clue should help me. From a child or from interviewing later no, on in I, life? When I was a little girl. Oh my God, that's adorable. Isn't that sweet? Where I, is it? Have it's you... at home in a special place. Oh, I really love it's, that. It's white with a distinctive blue boat <laughs> on the outside. Actually, it's semi-seriously. I mean, this is one for my memoirs, which I'm not writing, but um, it was the one of the proudest days of my childhood. When you get the brown envelope, long brown envelope mm-hmm. with those little letters at the bottom, BBC, <gasps> to my little address in Liverpool... To me, Jane Garvey. And in it was a letter from Biddy Baxter, who was the legend. Biddy, a legendary (laughs) executive producer, I think, of Peter. And uh, there was my badge because I'd written in and I got a badge. Aren't you the sweetest? So I I was. I'm not so much now. I am guessing (laughs) 2008. You are absolutely spot on. I am a televisual genius. Excellent. Well done. Yes. What gave it away? It was the Blue Peter thing because in 50 years, I think I remember it starting in 68. (laughs) That would help. Yeah. So if this has evoked memories of your own, the things that you were watching, what you were doing at that time, any funny stories, then please email the show. It's podcast at radiotimes.com or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Radio Times. Now, if you want something else to tickle your earbuds over the coming couple of days, well, actually, you've got a, a good a good mention of something that links up to succession, which is not about the Murdochs. It's not about the Murdochs. No. This is a throwback to um, Audible's The Sun King, which, which is, is about, about the Murdochs. The Murdochs. But I just think it's really interesting uh, because I remember listening to it all, you know, just I think maybe after series one of Succession came out and, you know, drawing all the parallels that you want to draw and just hearing about the Murdoch empire and all of the relationships and all of the uh, different areas of the world that he sort of took over and and literally as well you know they talk about canary wharf and the buildings and oh, i've just thought it was absolutely fascinating I've heard it and i loved it I it's must admit. so good and it's hosted by dimbers yeah david dimbleby so dimbers. It, <laughs> that's, what, that's what i call him um i met him once actually we tried to get him on our podcast the one i do with fee and uh, we saw him striding across the piazza and he stopped because he said, David, <laughs> we're, we're very sophisticated on our podcast. And he stopped and he's got a real old twinkle going on, mm. has David. Yeah. Oh, yes. He's right up there with Hasn't Brian he, Cox. He's got a scorpion tattoo as well. Well, I didn't see it on that occasion. 
It, we were. It was a cold day on the piazza at Broadcasting House, so that was not to be revealed. And another, uh, this is terrible, but I've got the opportunity. Another radio highlight of the week is The Return of Life Changing, which is an interview show I do on Radio 4. And it comes back uh, today, Wednesday, October the 13th. But of course, you can catch up on BBC Sounds. And this is a programme in which people just, we, we give them the space to just unravel a moment in their own lives that changed the way they think about life, actually, and in some cases changed the way they live or have to live. And the first guest is a man called John, and he went through a terrible ordeal. He was one of those human shields in the first Iraq war back in the early 90s. It'll seem like ancient history to you, but it really had an impact on his life. He's never talked about it before, and um, it's a a difficult conversation, but a hugely interesting one. So that's life-changing on Radio 4 and, of course, on BBC Sounds. Uh, Thank you very much indeed for listening. Um, Our highlight next week will we know that our guest is going to be Professor Brian Cox. Yes, a different Brian Cox. Exactly. And I was going to ask him, if we get the chance, whether he gets thoroughly fed up with the people who... I know. I mean, I get, you know, Rihanna comparisons all the time and I know how wearing that can be. (laughs) If you want a breakdown of the listings of the programmes we've discussed today, then make sure you look at the episode notes wherever you get this podcast. Do follow and join us every week. And the Radio Times podcast is produced by Something Else for Immediate Media. Take care. See you next week. Bye. 